Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I'm here with the good folks from HP Engineering. They're just up the road from me in Rogers, Arkansas. I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I don't always get to connect with firms that are right in our own backyard here at Zweig Group, but this is a special treat today, and and I'm with Brandon Pinkerton, who is the president of HP Engineering, and Steve Williams, who is the COO. And so these guys are doing some great things in our neck of the woods here as it pertains to design firms. And we thought, why not get them on the podcast to talk about what they're doing and you know, just some of the things that they are iterating from a design perspective when it comes to dealing with this pandemic that we're all dealing with. Because at the time that I'm recording this, it's early November of 2020. And we're still in the throes of it. Although, like the gentleman reminded me earlier today, today they just announced that they think they have a some type of remedy for the COVID-19. And I think it came from Pfizer. And so we're interested to hear more about that. But in the meantime, we still have to be careful and, you know, figure out new ways to do business just because of the state of affairs right now. So without further ado, Brandon and Steve, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't we start off, because everybody that's familiar with the Zweig Letter podcast, and we've got 178 episodes now. You guys make 179, I believe. We always start off just learning a little bit more about the people that we're talking to. So I'd love for you, Brandon and Steve, to kind of share the superhero origin story of how HP Engineering came about and, you know, kind of what brought you to the place that you currently are right now? Yeah. You know, at HP Engineering, we just celebrated our 13-year anniversary last month. And every year that goes by, it's just amazing to look back on where we've been, what we've come from. The one person who's not in the room with us today, my business partner, Bill Hodge, you know, 14 years ago, we were working at an engineering firm together in Fayetteville. And I think we both just had a desire to try to do something different. And I think it, it started with just a desire to, to take care of people. We could do engineering, but we really liked taking care of people. So we started out and it's, it's just been an amazing journey since then. And that's gone from, from us really the first three years of us just being in Rogers together to me moving 
to Oklahoma to help start our offices over there. And, and then about five years ago, moving me moving back to Rogers, kind of reteaming up with Bill. And, you know, a lot of our time now is really spent on trying to understand what we've created, how to deal with it and turn it into something amazing. And it's, it's a joy every day. It really is. Oh, that's exciting. I love to hear those stories of individuals that have come out of other design firms and, you know, they, in their minds, of course, I think everybody believes they can build a bigger, better mousetrap, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think of it and it's like, well, what does that look like? And I think it looks different for each type of founder that we see in the design industry space. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that and laying the foundation for who HP Engineering is. Now you have how many offices? We have four and that represents about 70 employees. Our most recent office is in Dallas and we're about two years in down there right now. Okay. And now was that an acquisition or was that organic? That's organic. All of our offices have been organic growth and that's been, we will, we will move apart. You will notice that most of our offices, it's Northwest Arkansas, Tulsa, Oklahoma City and Dallas are all within a reasonable driving distance of each other. So we have found that that the overlap has helped us kind of grow organically. Yeah. No, it's it's one thing I've, and I've, I've made that drive to Dallas several times and it's actually an easy drive to make. It's really not that far. And when you think of it, it's almost like a triangle going down to Dallas, shooting up from Dallas to OKC, coming back through Tulsa and making your way back here to Northwest Arkansas. So. And that is, and it's interesting because uh, that makes HP Engineering unique in a lot of ways. We are one of the only, if not the only, engineering firm in the country that really covers that regional area. It's a unique footprint that we've worked hard to develop. So we're really proud of that. Yeah. And talk a little bit about some of the services that you guys offer and and some of the work that you guys have been doing since day one that's kind of separated you from everybody else. Yeah, on the surface... We're a mechanical and electrical plumbing engineering firm, but you know, from the very beginning, Bill and I would always leverage some of our unique abilities to get ourselves into, into interesting projects. Bill kind of came from an energy background. My background was in lighting. And early on, we would look for ways to, to differentiate ourselves in that way. And, and when we started, you know, this was back in 2005, 2006. Lead USGBC was really kind of catching traction. It was kind of a new deal, and there was a lot of interest at that time. So it opened a lot of doors for us that we weren't being able to take advantage of in our previous firm. But it opened the doors not only here in Arkansas and Oklahoma, but we we were able to to get into projects all over the world. Really, we Bill and I have been to Brazil, El Salvador, Puerto Rico, and and done a lot of interesting things. Just helping other people understand their energy uh, needs, how they're using energy and, and ways that we can help them out. And those have been maybe some of the unique things that we've done. Again, our bread and butter is is architectural engineering. We love it. But the stuff that really gets us excited too are kind of those unique opportunities, as you mentioned. Yeah. And so you've been in Dallas for two years. What Speak to that market because the Metroplex, I mean, Texas as a whole, when it comes to engineering is a whole different animal. But I would be curious to know what your thoughts are. You're two years in now being down there. It can be a cutthroat market. It's There are some established players that have been there for forever and a day. What's it like being one of the 
quote unquote, even though you got 13 years under your belt, you're still the yep. new kid on the block down in Dallas. What has that been like? And how have you, you know, been able to penetrate such an established market? You're right. They don't care how long we've been around. It wouldn't matter if we've been around 13 years or 50 years. If they don't know me, it's really hard to get them to care. So tenacity is is really important. And and that is one of our core values is just staying after it because it doesn't matter if it's you know doing the design or if it is the business development portion, you have to be tenacious. What I have found, what we have found is that no matter the market, people uh, clients that that we would target and go after still want and still crave, and there still is a need for good quality design and good quality people to help them do that. People are looking for partnerships and someone that's going to look out for them. That's not easy to establish in a 15-minute conversation. It's not easy to convince someone that we can do that in a 10 or 15-minute conversation. So what's been what it's really driven us to do is really step back and really articulate our identity, who we are, what makes us different, which is something we may have always known in the back of our mind, but it's it's really caused us to kind of bring that forward, put it down on paper, and really be able to show people who we are. And that's been important, not only to the clients, the people that we're reaching in Dallas, but also internally, so that the people in our organization know who we kind of already knew who we were, but now we can actually say it. Yeah. I mean, that that whole branding piece is key because if you miss any aspect of it or if you're not true to who you are as an organization, then people will smell that right away. Yes. And so, you know, I always use this quote Shakespeare said to thine own self be true. And I think it's it's evident in our personal lives as well as in our professional lives. So it sounds like, you know, you guys are making some headway. What about OKC in Tulsa? Do you find that market to be different? Because I do see some I see some differences, you know, when I talk to people, they're like, well, what's Oklahoma like? And it, it's just different. I mean, it's an it's an older, established market that's been around for a while. People forget that Oklahoma was the oil market before Texas was. And so mm-hmm. there is a lot of history in Oklahoma. And I'm just curious to know how that, you know, the slight differences you see working in those two markets. It's and again, I'm not saying I, I w- am not making any disparaging remarks against Oklahoma, but but they're behind in, in a lot of ways. And it is because of that oil heritage. It is because of what they have come from. What I mean by that is, historically, they've kind of been behind the game as far as energy codes are concerned. The, you know, as I mentioned earlier, lead projects, green projects, renewable energy, that kind of thing has taken a really long time to, to take hold in, in the in the zeitgeist that is Oklahoma, and there there was not a whole lot of interest in in doing those kind of projects, which was kind of interesting if you really look in Northwest Arkansas is very progressive. Everything is new. Tulsa, Oklahoma City, they're mature markets. They're thinking about different things. They are they're looking at projects in a different way. The money is coming from different places. In most cases, in a lot of cases, it is based on on oil. And energy, they they say the word energy a lot, but yeah, it's it's oil, it's fracking, it's that business that has been booming over the past ten years, and it it really drives a different set of criteria for what the projects are, how they're funded, and and what they turn into. Yeah, 
It's almost like you have you serve like three distinct markets, even though you could say that Northwest Arkansas is akin to Dallas in terms of it's progressive. They're trying to do new things. But even Dallas is more mature than Northwest Arkansas. It's probably the youngest place that you are. It's almost like you could do anything here because the sky is the limit and everybody wants the newest, brightest, shiny toy to roll out from a design perspective. So what are your I mean, what are your plans as you move forward with with the pandemic and the way that it is redefining how we do business, what are you finding that people are asking for in this moment? I know how important renewable energy is, you know, lead buildings and all that. I just talked to somebody recently. We had the folks from, um, and you probably know them, CMTA. They're based out of Kentucky, a very successful MEP firm. And they're, they're talking a lot about renewable energy and how that informs what they're doing right now, given everything that's going on in the design space, plus you add the layer of the pandemic onto it. So what are you seeing in the markets that you're serving? And you're pointing to Steve. So <laughs> that, that Steve's got some answers for us with regards to that. Well, I, in terms of the direct impact that COVID is having on our buildings, we got pulled into this pretty early on, I would say late March or early April, we had clients begin to ask us what they could do with their buildings to protect their occupants and their operators. This is right when people started going home and working from home. And it wasn't long before a lot of the, the companies around here wanted to start bringing at least some of their, their people back. So they wanted to know how they could give their, their occupants some confidence if they came back that they were as safe as possible. So they wanted to know, first of all, we were getting requests for how do we operate, how do we reopen the buildings that have been standing vacant for, in many cases, several weeks or even a few months. So that's where it started. We started looking at ways to operate buildings uh, in a safer manner, and we started looking at ways to retrofit existing systems. And then we started getting requests with projects that were under construction. Hey, we did not take into account COVID coming along when we were doing design six months ago. What can we do now to start incorporating some kind of measures into this new building to make this a more attractive building for tenants and make it safe? So, And then from that point, we started getting requests on new design projects. Let's start incorporating these in into new design. So in, in many cases, it's a different solution for an existing building than it is for something that's just into design. We've designed systems for a number of office buildings up here in Northwest Arkansas, some of the larger buildings that are going up. You'll see them on the skyline, some of those in excess of 100,000 square foot. We've also done retrofits of a lot of the existing buildings down in Fayetteville. There's a, a fairly large group of buildings where we're working on a project there now. We've been working on designs for hospitals to help them to retrofit existing patient rooms and emergency departments into isolation wards. We've also looked at some dentist offices and how they can protect not only the patients, but also the healthcare workers who are there all day, every day. And so we're starting to see just a lot more interest early on in the projects now. We're asking the question when we're in design. What is your objective? What do you want to try to accomplish? What is your risk factor to your building occupants? We're not seeing a lot of change on the actual building designs, but I expect 
to see that from the architects at some point. I expect to start seeing things like more physical barriers and more ways to separate people, more of the touchless access access systems like elevator controls, plumbing fixtures, entry exit doors. We are seeing some of that, but just not a lot yet. They're more interested in ventilation and HVAC. And, you know, and as my mind is racing here, because I, I, you probably came up with a whole new name for scope creep. You probably call it scope COVID creep, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now everybody's like, oh my God, how's this going to impact us? What, I mean, if I was a, a an owner's rep for a number of, you know, mid-size office buildings, what do I need to be thinking about in order to address some of the issues that I may not even be aware of, but could exist in a building that's say 10 or 15 years old and, you know, just didn't, wasn't, didn't benefit from being built with this whole idea that a pandemic would come along and impact how we utilize a building or if we utilize it at all. So what are those owners reps or those owners of those, you know, small to mid-sized buildings, which is a lot of your bread and butter here, what are they thinking about or what do they need to be thinking about when it comes to this? Well, the first thing we would be looking at are the existing systems and, and their condition. We'd be looking at the existing condition and the capability of their ventilation systems would be one of the very first things because a lot of the existing buildings were not, they haven't been maintained to a point where they have sufficient ventilation even for current code requirements. Then we'd also be looking at filtration systems and see what what the maximum level of filtration is that we could potentially get into their HVAC systems. So we want to look at, at enhancing what they have first before we start looking at adding UV lights or bipolar ionization or any of the other technologies that you might be hearing about out there these days. And then the HVAC control systems are another big part of it. If they have the capability, there's a lot of things that the HVAC control system can do to help bring in more ventilation air at certain times. You know, I think one of the things that owners maybe have not really thought about in terms of COVID is just what's really going on in these offices as well. I mean, definitely the activity that's going on affects the solution as well. You know, number of occupants, certainly how dense were you previously and, and how many people am I going to, you know, have coming back? The main thing, I mean, let's, it's, it comes down to dollars. I mean, they want to make sure that they can continue to rent their spaces or get their lease money and get the building open and people feel safe enough for them to do that. We've experienced it not, not in, in, only in our building, but we've seen it in a lot of other places up here. It's, you know, we send everyone home and we're not coming back. And that's that's a reality. And if you're a building owner, you're like, how do I keep that from happening and not not spend a whole lot of money on it and get it done quickly? Because a quick solution is is just as important as a good solution, because the quicker you can get these buildings back up to where they need to be, the quicker you can get people in and, and hopefully continue that revenue stream for these buildings that are that, that are sitting in some cases empty. Certainly new construction where you've got buildings that are pre-leased and, and you've got people who are planning to move in, you want to get those that you don't want to do anything that's going to delay that schedule. No, so I, I know owners are thinking about that a lot as well. Oh, they have to be because I mean, you know, you, every day you look up, there's another 
large company announcing that they're going to allow all their employees to work from home. I think Dropback, Dropbox just recently announced that that everybody who wants to can work from home. And then a couple of places are making it. That's the standard. That they're, so there's no long. So they're going to invest in doing all kinds of crazy stuff that, of course, tech companies can do. But the you know, outfitting home offices, the whole nine yards and foregoing the need to have all of this expensive or built out office space. So that's going to create some, some, I think, some unique opportunities. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that's kind of interesting, I was talking with Steve about this earlier today, but uh, and, and one thing we haven't mentioned, ASHRAE, which is kind of the, the governing body that establishes a lot of our design guidelines, has come out with some specific guidelines related to how we should design in the face of a pandemic or how we should design to mitigate, you know, airborne diseases and, and things like that. So, so ASHRAE has put out these guidelines. We are now, you know, designing and, and looking at things a little bit differently. But if we look at not only just, just building owners, but then now we want to focus on the, the occupants or, or these businesses that, that are in these buildings one of the things that, that is going to come out of this, we, we went and looked, I think CDC said that there's probably 10 to $15 million lost annually, historically, because of, of flu outages. Yeah. Now, that's on an annual basis, it's, and it's flu-related, but going forward, the kind of things that we're going to be able to do in these buildings is actually going to, you know, COVID's going to go away at some point but airborne diseases are going to be around forever. We don't know what the next one's going to be, but this is going to have a, a, a perpetual impact on some of that lost revenue that we really haven't been forced to do anything about in years past because we've just, as a culture, been willing to deal with it. But this is going to be, have, a, have a really positive impact on things going forward as well for business owners. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely see the benefit to kind of, iterating or coming up with new ways to deal with this some of the challenges that we're going to face in the future especially with the with everything that has happened with covid so how how have how have you guys kept the professional development piece with your team on point to kind of keep them ahead of the curve with all these changes and with all the the new technology or new ideas i mean you spoke about ashray and some of the standards that they're putting out there and encouraging uh, design professionals to utilize, but how are you keeping your people relevant as things change so dramatically because of COVID-19? Well, we first of all assigned a, a point person for the company who would stay up to date on the what all is happening with the, the authorities out there like the CDC and OSHA and WHO and the other regulatory agencies like ASHRAE that help us to understand what we're supposed to be doing. And then we've been doing educational sessions in-house with them. We have a set of documentation that we update whenever there's new information that comes out. For instance, uh, just in October, CDC issued an update to basically recognize that, that COVID was airborne and they had been holding off on that for a long time while the rest of the scientific community had agree that they thought it was an airborne transmitted disease. So we try to stay up to date on what's happening out in the industry. We update our documentation. We train our personnel in-house. And then there's also been just a ton of opportunities from different organizations 
for online training for um, new technology that's come out or new findings that, that has been made in the medical field. And what have you just speaking to the broader issue of kind of keeping your folks motivated and, you know, what's I think is a challenge for everybody. What are you guys doing and how have you been able to keep the troops or your team or your family there at HP Engineering motivated and, you know, thinking about the future without, you know, because I mean, let's face it, if we watch the news every day, we could have a real fatalistic approach about where the where things are going. We could all be chicken little. The sky is falling. So what are you guys doing and, and how are you engaging your people to keep them on edge and, you know, thinking positive and moving forward? I think in spite of this pandemic trying to push us into isolation, community and relationships are more important than anything. And so for finding ways to continue to preserve our relationships has been really important. And that really goes outside of just sitting down and doing work every day. Having some online events with the company has been really fun. Uh, we have done trivia, online trivia with, with our company between we get all the offices in, we do, we do trivia. And we have had so much fun with that. It has been refreshing. It's been, you know, lightens the mood and it lets us know we're all still out here and we're we're there with each other. That's just an example. You know, we when I really also liked that when, and this was here in Northwest Arkansas, as we started to reopen our offices, you know, for that first week, you know, we had lunch brought into the office for five consecutive days. And the best time of those first five days getting back together was just sitting down and eating together. Because in some cases, people had been not seeing anyone except their family or maybe their husband or wife for, you know, six weeks. And so to get back and see these people that you really missed, it was it was good. So we've been looking for ways to further the relationships and, and make sure that, that it's not just about getting the work done. The, the community piece is really important. We've tried to find ways to keep that going. Yeah, no, I like that. I like hearing that. And it's just a reminder that, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, Outside of the people that you actually physically live with, your family, your relatives, your work family is as close as it comes, right? And so it's, I think it's important to do that. And I certainly want to applaud you for taking those extra steps to do that. And I actually love the idea of the trivia because that's actually something that you could do even virtually between the offices too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe everybody's in their own specific office doing it. And, you know, there could be some, Alcoholic beverages involved. There's all kinds of options there that's as right. far as that's concerned. That's right. So, yep. yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do these days. I mean, you have to be creative with it. So I certainly want to encourage that for anybody that's listening, that you're you're having a hard time making those connections with everybody in the office, or maybe you're still so busy that nobody's had a chance to come up for air. You have to come up for air. You have to take care of yourselves and you have to take care of the rest of the people on your team, especially if you are called to be the leader of your organization or you're one of the leaders. So so tell me, uh, Brandon, what, what do you think is next for you guys? What are you looking down the line at? I know I've and I'll phrase it this way. I'm talking to a lot of design firms that do a lot of public work. So they're looking at what the market's going to be like in the next 12 months with you know, whatever money may come from Congress to do infrastructure build outs and all that. But what are you seeing on the MEP side 
in the next 12 to 18 to even 24 months? Are you encouraged? Are you bullish about where things are, even with the pandemic being what it is? Or what are your thoughts? There is an element of pent up demand. Uh, some developers, as I mentioned, some developers uh, were, were a little hesitant to uh, really pull the trigger on on things in, in the middle of the pandemic. And they're starting to see the light at the end of that. The banks, again, have been really good about letting the money go and uh, getting it into the people who are going to do something with it. So I've really been encouraged by by some of that activity as well. Okay. And as you mentioned, we have three really diverse geographic markets between Dallas and Oklahoma and Arkansas. And they're all going to be a little different. And so when I, I'll qualify part of what I'm saying here by just saying that one market is going to be a little bit different from the other. Oklahoma is definitely going to have a different future than Arkansas as we look ahead the next nine to nine to 12 months. One thing that's uh, starting to come back a little bit on, that, that we're seeing is hospitality. Hospitality went dead. I mean, it was just nobody was doing anything and nobody was staying anywhere. But the pent-up demand for people to want to take vacations, to want to get out and, and do stuff is going to be huge. So we're, we're already starting to see some hospitality things start to come up and, and people are going to be really interested in getting their facilities ready quickly. And, and the demand is definitely going to be there. That is something we're definitely seeing a lot of. Yeah. And especially if you can provide some type of safe and semi-COVID-free environment, I mean, mm -hmm. people are going to gravitate towards that. I got a friend Absolutely. right now that's down in Cancun and he's like, it's great down here. There's nobody here. I've got the place to myself. So, you know, it's, it's all kinds of opportunities out there. And I think as we go, and like we said earlier with Pfizer coming out with this potential vaccination for COVID-19 and as more people have access to vaccinations for the pandemic, it's going to comfort folks that didn't want to go get out and get on the road. They're going to start doing that. So, yeah, no, I think that's exciting. So, well, I appreciate that. This is really good. I, I um, If people want to connect with either of you, what's the best way for them to do that uh, online or whatever? Yeah. Email is still good. I know that's a little old school, but uh, maybe that's who I am. But, you know, I'm you know, Brandon at hpengineeringinc.com, Steve at hpengineeringinc.com. That is where we live. We, of course, uh, have, have our presence on our uh, HP Engineering Inc. Uh, LinkedIn site where we uh, share a lot of what we're doing and, and going, uh, what's going on in our company. So that's another good way to reach out to to us. I, I've developed a lot of really good relationships over LinkedIn over the past six to nine months and found that to be a really good place to develop new relationships. Well, listen, I tell people all the time, don't look at LinkedIn as if it looks like a lot of extra work because there's business to be had on LinkedIn. There I mean, is. You know, there's good Absolutely. relationships to be established, but there's actually business. I can't tell you the amount of projects and business that have come my way because of uh, my connections with people on LinkedIn. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I would encourage everybody to get involved as far as that stats is concerned. I will put all of your information in our show notes so that everybody has it on the ZweigLetter.com website. And uh, we'll be sure to, to put that out there. As we wind up, I did want to ask you guys, is there anything that you're reading or watching that's really motivating you when it comes to how you guys are running HP engineering? Any books that you've read recently or anything that's just really got you excited and moving forward? 
I just finished a book this past week, uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Yes, yes. This guy is unreal. And uh, I encourage it. It, it, it's, it was a good read, but uh, whatever you're doing, you can do more. I think that's what he would tell you. And He, uh, he, is, he is a beast. I made the mistake of trying to listen to the um, audible version of that with my kid in the car. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you got to be mindful of that. But but David Goggins is, is really an interesting individual. He's a Navy SEAL and probably like one of the very few people to have taken and passed the tests that are required to get into the SEALs. I want to say the Green Berets might be Army Ranger School and, and a bunch of others. I mean, he's a beast and ultra marathon runner, the whole nine yards. And he's He's in way better shape than I am, but every time I look at him and watch his videos, I I do get inspired. So, so yeah, so I enjoy that. What about you, Steve? If, if you had something that's really moved you, well, there was a, a book I read recently. It was Management Secrets of a Navy Seal. I, I don't recall the author of that. It was okay. very similar to the one that Brandon just finished, and uh, it was really good. Basically, taking the applications that they learned in warfare and actual warfare in uh, Afghanistan and then applying that to business life. Okay. All right. Now I have to check that out too. That sounds interesting. It sounds like something that um, Jocko Willink would have written. The guys from that, I, that may be him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he echelon front is a really good uh, organization that works on leadership for business leaders. And um, it's all predicated and based on the training of the Navy SEAL and how they mm-hmm. handle ne- leadership. Cause of course, the way they lead under the pressure that they're under is totally different than what you guys encounter on a regular basis, but there's always lessons to be had. So I love that. So we'll, we'll include links to those books, uh, on the show notes as well. So we really appreciate it. I, I, I'm glad that we had a chance to sit down and I'm just more excited because it's not often that we get to feature a firm that's based right in our backyard in Northwest Arkansas. Rogers is a great city. For those of you that are listening that are in another part of the country, you got to come see us here in Northwest Arkansas. HP Engineering, what Brandon and Steve are doing are a prime example of what's available here in the Ozarks. And I tell people all the time that anyone that will listen, that this is a great place to come. It's a great place to start a company. It's a great place to go to school. We have the University of Arkansas. It's a great place to see art. We have Crystal Bridges, one of the finest museums in the country. I could go on and on and on. I'm a, I'm a shameful fanboy for Northwest <laughs> Arkansas. So, But uh, I appreciate you guys sharing today and, and just giving us a little inside glimpse into what HP Engineering is all about and also where you see the market headed from an MEP perspective. So thank you both so very much for joining us on the Zweig Letter Podcast. Thank you, Randy. Randy, really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, oh, my pleasure. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. It was so great to get Brandon and Steve on the show. And, I'm, you know, and again, you know, these guys reached out to us and I was familiar with the firm. They've been to some of the trainings at Zweig Group. So I said, you know what, we definitely need to have them on. And I'm glad they had a chance to tell their story. I hope you, if you liked what you heard or you want to connect with them, maybe you see some business opportunities please reach out to these guys, check in with them. They're really great people. You know, everybody in Northwest Arkansas are great hosts. So we're not standoffish. We'll talk to you and uh, we'll certainly engage you wherever you are. So I would definitely check those guys out at HP Engineering and um, just, you know, let them know that you heard about them here first on the Zweig Letter Podcast. That's all we have for this week. 
As always, I want to encourage you to do a couple things for me. One, wherever you listen to this podcast, please write a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Is there, if there's anything that we can do, if there's somebody that you think we should have on from the design industry, we're open to talking with just about anyone to continue to tell the story of design professionals around the country and around the world for that matter. So please uh, reach out. You'd be surprised. Your recommendations may be one of the next or upcoming future episodes of this Wide Letter podcast. And finally, finally, I want to recommend this. Please, if you don't already subscribe to the Zweig Letter, I'd love for you to visit thezweigletter.com and subscribe to the newsletter. It comes out every week. It's been running continuously since 1992. Mark has been writing an article every week. He always has something really good to say. I think even the HP guys may have written an article in the past. So, you know, we bring a lot of people in. If you are a thought leader in the design industry space and you want to write an article or you have something to share, please share it because sharing is caring. And as you know, we'll never grow as an industry unless we're all strong in the way that we not only handle ourselves and our organizations, but also the marketplace. So I want to encourage you guys to be a part of that. Sign up for the newsletter. It's free. You can sign your whole company up. I don't care if you have five people or 500 folks, everybody can get the newsletter in their inbox in a PDF format every Monday at 12 noon. So that's all I have. And like I said, I I really would, I would hope that you would take advantage of that. I appreciate it. I'm Randy Wilburn, your host for this Wide Letter podcast, and we will see you soon.